The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown to zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hello, I'm Laura Nash and I'm Rachel Revoy and we have a special festive episode for you this week Zero Waste Christmas Okay, so Rachel is from Quinny Way Solutions and she was on our show almost a year ago now talking about recycling Yeah, it feels like a long time ago, but yet not that long at the same time (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so we have a really cool show planned for you today and Rachel's going to take us through some of the options about recycling and different wrapping paper and different gift ideas and stuff like that We find that there's this huge jump in material that we get this time of year following Christmas and we really are just full of material and we don't really get those levels down again until the spring a lot of the time. And all that stuff we're talking about is boxes, cardboard boxes, wrapping paper, and all the things that go into wrapping like bags and all the gift packaging. So the main thing we need to remember is the foil wrapping is garbage and it's a huge problem for our waste stream. So what does foil wrapping look like? Is that just shiny? Yeah, so if you have wrapping paper and it's shiny, that's kind of what we consider the foil wrapping. But the regular wrapping paper that just has the dye in it, we can recycle that. So I don't know if all municipalities can. Also, if you're listening to this and you don't live in the Bay of Quinney area, make sure you check out your local municipal recycling rules. These are just general ways to think about recycling um, your gift packaging, but the rules do differ based on your municipality. Mm -hmm. So why is it that we can't recycle the foil wrap? It's because of the ingredient of the foil that makes it shiny. I think it's uh, some kind of a metal that's woven into this paper. And as I think I explained on the other episode, if there's material that's fused, so two types of materials that are stuck together, companies don't like that because they have to separate the two types of material. Right. So that's costly because it takes more time and energy to separate materials. And that's why we can't recycle things like paper beverage drinking cups because the hot single-use paper cups have a thick lining of plastic on the inside. So it's plastic fused with paper. We can't separate that. Same right. thing with the foil wrapping, the foil and the paper. Interesting. K-cups are like that too. You have to separate too many things uh, that I've heard. So you know what? Thinking of K-cups, if if there is someone that you love in your life who does drink a lot of uh, K-cups, you could maybe get them one of those reusable screens as a gift. Yeah, that's a great idea. That would be kind of cool. I wonder too if it's more of like a a mylar or something that's attached to it because when we did the trash bash in Mm. the spring with you guys, uh, we found a lot of balloons and at the beach cleanup. And yeah. a lot of those those shiny balloons, the outside breaks down and kind of wears off. So we would find balloons in different stages and some of them would just have the plastic inside and just a tiny bit of the shiny stuff left. Oh. So I think maybe it's it could be similar. It, I'm sure it's similar. I'm not quite sure about what's actually in that material, but whatever yeah. it is, it's it makes a challenge for us. And the companies that take our paper to recycle it just told us they don't want the foil, but... I'm glad they take the regular paper. So at least as an easy step and an ease into um, sort of thinking more consciously about your wrapping, just making the choice of not choosing the shiny stuff is a good step. Makes a huge difference because mm-hmm. you can still wrap your presents how you want and, and still buy nice paper. You can use regular wrapping paper or you can do the Japanese style of furoshiki wrapping where they use cloth and it's just a nice tying technique. So you can YouTube that to find out how to wrap your 
presents that way. Yeah, that's what I did last year, actually. And maybe it wasn't the actual Japanese technique, but I just used fabric. I went to some thrift stores and I found Christmas-themed tablecloths that were beautiful. Oh, nice. And I just cut them to different sizes, and then I just tied them together and put, like, a bow on it. I kept it all, so I'm going to use it again this year. Oh, that's so smart. Mm -hmm. And it looks so beautiful. It's so darling. And those patterns are the really classic Christmas timeless patterns. So I was just really pleased. I was more satisfied with that than the gifts I got other people, I think. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And I guess, too, like, you know, you buy Christmas pajamas and things like that that kids grow out of. So you could probably use that, too, as like a nice wrapping material if you're not sure where to to put your kids' worn out Christmas pajamas. (laughs) That's a good tip, too. (laughs) Something else I think about in terms of recycling, gift wrapping is boxes. We get so many boxes this time of year, not only for the gifts itself, but just because people are ordering a lot of stuff online. And it's just very overwhelming. But one thing that's very important to remember is that when boxes aren't broken down, the truck drivers have to wrestle them into the truck and fold them down. And they don't have the time for that. And they stop 900 times a day on average in our area. The truck drivers get out of the truck and sort the recycling into the truck 900 times a day. So if they're wrestling your boxes and trying to fold them down together so they fit into the truck, that's very tolling not only on just the length of time they're going to be spending collecting material but also physically yeah and I think there's a maximum size like you can't just take a fridge box and like stick it out there you have to fold it down into a manageable dimension right yeah so we ask people to fold them down into I think it's 10 inch by 10 inch by 8 inches thick so that's not that big In an ideal world, everybody would cut up the boxes or kind of tear them up so they're stacked together. We ask for that just so they can fit it into the truck because the way the cardboard is loaded into the truck, it's usually in the back. And then just to be able to pick it up easily and throw it into the back of the truck, it's really nice when it's folded down and also like bundled together with some tape or some twine or just something that easily can fold them together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there seems to be a disconnect that we've kind of talked about before because the drivers are doing a very, very difficult job. And like you said, 900 times a day. And I think they have, what, 19 seconds at each house? 15 seconds per blue box. So if there's two blue boxes, that's 30 seconds. So if someone isn't sorting properly, they usually take the time to sort it into the truck. So it is Mm -hmm. properly sorted by the time it gets to our facility. Yeah, so if they're putting that sticker on the blue box, so we get a sticker, and I've had it many times, so tell me about it if you've had it, but uh, they'll put a sticker and be like, you know, you, you did something wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a bright green sticker, and it's kind of like a tisk tisk sticker yeah. of like, you didn't do something <laughs> quite right, and they basically have options on it, so if people didn't fold down their cardboard, they can, you know, circle that and just let people know what has gone wrong and what needs to be fixed in order for the whole collection process to go a little bit smoother. Mm -hmm. And that's a good system. But I think it makes people kind of mad, which like, don't get mad if you get one of those. Like I said, I've had them quite a few times. And it's just a a way of keeping everything running smoothly and efficiently and keeping taxpayers costs down, right? Yeah, Uh, it's an education tool, right? So it's just a way to communicate with people at that household to let them know um, what they need to do. For some reason, I feel like everybody that works at a store gives you a plastic bag. Like, I feel like they're really pressuring me to take a plastic bag, even if I just buy, like, one item. You don't find that? I shut it down before it starts because I worked as a cashier when I was in high school, and I remember, like, the act of, like, asking every person, do you need a bag was so exhausting. So right when I lock eyes with someone at a till, I'm just like, hi, I do not need a bag. And then they're very much like, okay. (laughs) I don't, I find sometimes they're, like, taken off guard because they're like, um, 
how are you today? This is the restaurant, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I just I remember actually I was getting sushi takeout the other day and I forgot to say like no bag, no cutlery, no extra condiments, no anything. I forgot because I was just like trying to get sushi and I was in a rush. And then I saw the person like loaded into a bag and I like ran through the restaurant. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm very sorry, but please don't put anything extra in there. I don't need the bag. Like, can you take that back and reuse it? And they were like, okay. I think this is, would really help if we just go back to people asking like, do you need a bag mm-hmm. instead of just automatically getting it, which some people do. But yeah, so I guess your options are kind of to order things online or to to go to a store and get it. I personally like to find things that people make. So like handcrafted items or local items and like things like food are really good. Food is tricky because if you go to all the work to make relish or jam or something and then you give it to someone and they're like, oh, what is this? And like, don't want to eat it. It's like, you just put so much work and effort and money into making Oh my that. gosh, I would be deeply offended if someone reacted that way. Because I was thinking, this is my my idea. I don't know if I'll actually do this, but imagine if you give, like you make batches of things. So you have, you know, you make spaghetti sauce as a batch and then you make a salad dressing from scratch and you put that in a, in a jar and you make all these things from scratch and like even like bake cookies and put that in another jar. So you have this collection of like four jars that you put together. To give to someone as a Christmas gift, like, that sounds so thoughtful to me. And I would be over the moon if someone took the time to, like, put all that together. And I would use it all because homemade things like that are amazing. And I wouldn't for a second be like, I wonder what's in here. Because like, I know it's probably better than whatever mysteries are in the grocery store <laughs> items, right? Yeah. Okay, so since I'm about to get into it and I feel very strongly about these things, I'm going to give a little disclaimer that... <laughs> These opinions that I'll say um, are not reflective of Quinny Way Solutions. This is me speaking as Rachel Revoy, as a person who thinks about these things a lot. So any ideas and opinions that I have about all this environmental stuff are not opinions of Quinny Way Solutions. All right. So anyway, what I was getting into was I think about how people sort of react to gifts that are homemade or, you know, if you buy something that's reused, but it's perfect for them and very thoughtful. If people think like it's somehow lesser than buying something new when I think we buy things and we can't trust the companies that we're buying these things from right like you can whole make all this food and you know what the ingredients are going in it you can choose to put it in a jar that's not made from these plastic materials but yet somehow people don't trust that when you're their friend or their co-worker like you should be able to trust them more than you trust any corporation Mm-hmm. And that's something I think about too when people sort of snub their nose at me when I pull out my metal straw from my bag when I'm getting a drink somewhere. And I had someone react to that poorly when I pulled out the metal straw. They're just like, is that sanitary? And I just turned to them and I was like, can you name one ingredient in the plastic straw that you were so willing to drink out of? And they couldn't. And like, I'm not, I wasn't trying to be rude, but I was trying to just point out you shouldn't blindly trust other companies because. They have the dollar in mind and not always your best interest. Absolutely. Yeah. That was a big issue on our episode with Kristen Lawless about, you know, like corporations are feeding us now and they're focused on their bottom line, not our health. Mm -hmm. So you get, that's when you get all the additives to make the shelf life longer. Bread is a good example. So bread won't even last a week after I make it without getting moldy, but bread from the store will last much, much longer longer and that's the whole point right because it gives it a longer time to sell yeah and so that they don't have to waste it there are people who won't appreciate you making them things and Mm -hmm. I would say like before you give those people those things maybe just think about it so you don't waste all your time and effort yeah 
Like we make maple syrup at home and we literally carry the buckets like like a kilometer in some cases. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we stay up till three in the morning, like boiling the sap. And and it's just so much effort and work that you wouldn't want to give it to everyone. So yeah. I think trying to think about what people would really want and kind of catering to that is a good idea. Yeah, that makes sense. And what I'm trying to do instead is think about oh, wouldn't you rather give people experiences like buy the movie tickets or like plan to go to like oh, a yeah. theater like show together? And I think people appreciate that. I always like those coupon books where you give someone like five coupon books of like, you know, you're going to get yeah. a massage and you can like trade it in. And there's different things you can kind of add to that. Kids are tricky because you're right. They do want to open something and there's all this pressure to buy kids things, especially if parents are divorced. There's a competition between taking them on trips, yep. you know, oh, I'm taking the kid to this resort. Well, now I've got to take the, the kids to that resort. Right. And that happens with toys too a lot. So that is tough because so, you could be competing. Yeah. So what do you do to remedy this? Like, do you have any thoughts ahead to Christmas and what you might do to help get things that are not just all bad for the environment or what do you think we get things that last and only a few things yeah I've bought him an instrument we started out with a guitar one year and then we got a keyboard another year and then last year was a drum set but nice. an electronic drum set so he does want a real one, so we might do that. And musical instruments are good because they make kids smarter. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much uh, <laughs> for, for one thing. And then you can usually sell them again. Like they have some True. good value to resell. That's a good thing to consider. Yeah, like once you want to get rid of them or upgrade or the kid's not interested in them or, anymore. Or And there are things you can keep around the house and they might pick up in a couple years. Like mm -hmm. if you buy them one instrument and they're not interested in it, they might be in a couple years. Yeah, something um, timeless. And last year we wrapped them in some paper that came in one of our boxes. So I cut up my son's like old pajamas and made these dinosaur ribbons around them. Cool. And so we do that every year. We just use whatever we have around the house to wrap. I wouldn't feel too bad, I guess, about using paper. I mean, paper paper has its toll on the environment because they actually make tailing ponds and they put things into the air and you have to cut down forests and all these things for paper. I think it's better if you use paper that you don't have to buy for the, yeah. the purpose. For people in my life that I know will be using a certain product, like my brother's favorite coffee, I should still get him that coffee because he's going to be buying that anyway. And, you know, it's still thoughtful. So there is a place for still physical new presents from Absolutely, the store. Yeah. But or used ones. Or too, used ones. Use. Well, one thing I did with my family that was kind of different when I first started getting into creating less waste, I did this portion of gifts and this series of gifts, and I made a little game out of it and I called it thrift gift. So what I did was I got a series of gifts and I would choose two of my family members and I'd describe the item to it and they would have to guess what it was and whoever was closest, you know, I'd give them a series of clues and if they could guess what it was, then the person who guessed right got the gift. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, and I ended up finding oh, some really fun. cool things, but they found it was really fun. And they still ask me about, you know, if we're doing it again. It takes a lot of time because if you want to find good stuff at thrift stores, you have to kind of dig search. and really search for it. Yeah, and before Christmas, too, I guess you could, like, going back to kids, you could trade toys, like, in the beginning. So you can just talk to your friends or, like, your neighbors and just see if there's any toys they want to get rid of mm -hmm. and do, like, a toy swap, kind yeah. of like a clothing swap. The only thing helpful. that I'm thinking of is just how topical toys are for kids. Like, there's the toy of the season or the toy of the year. Where... Oh, I've never subscribed to that. Oh, that's We've good. I've never got any of those oh, things. Yeah, because, you know, I definitely can sympathize with parents, though, because you don't want your kid to feel left out when all the kids are going back to school and talking about, like, 
oh, we got this thing. Did you get the thing? And then they have to say, no, I didn't. But that's only for a day or two. And then people forget about it anyway. Yeah, and then and nobody cares. And it builds character, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I remember I, I was never a kid to get all those new things. And if I wanted it, I... I got, like, paid $2 an hour babysitting the neighbor's kid for years, so something like that is what I would do if I wanted something new, but... Yeah, we say right away from that stuff, because we're, we're actually recording this episode on Black Friday, so we always oh, see yeah. those videos of, like, people rushing into stores, and, like, <sighs> I just want to be in the other direction. Like, I want to be as far away oh, from, my gosh. from that madness as possible, because I don't, I don't care about deals as much, because I don't care about things as much. Yeah. I don't know. I think about this a lot. I feel like for some reason teenagers might not hang out at malls like they used to. And I don't know if yeah. it's because parents are like too afraid to let them out by themselves or I don't know what really changed or happened there. Well, I think they can now like hang out on FaceTime, right? Like when we were teenagers, like I had to be with people. I mean, you, the internet existed. I'm only, I'm, I'm yeah, a millennial. Yeah, but... You would have had like Messenger or like ICQ. Yeah, there was MSN. Was. <laughs> oh, yeah. MSN was the big thing, so... <laughs> And, like, there That's was Facebook, there was all the social media, but, like, I'm talking more middle school. Like, I remember wanting to meet up on a weekend and, like, having to choose a location and, like, malls were the place to hang around. Yeah, like a safe indoor place, like, away from the Canadian yeah. weather, because it's usually, Yeah, like... you can't just hang out in a park all the time here. No, no, you can't. You'll freeze. Um, okay, so I just want to, I want to list off some of the other things that I thought, and maybe if you have any other ideas for gifts, too... For present ideas that don't involve a whole lot of waste. So baking. And you could put them in tins mm-hmm. that you could reuse. Or even get those cookies that come in the tins. You know, the ones that, like, ladies use for sewing Oh yeah, kits? Yeah. And then locally handmade soaps are so awesome because bar soaps are, like, the best thing. Because then you don't have to use any single-use plastics for soaps and soap dispensers. So if you can find any of those at craft stores, and they usually smell really, really good. Mm-hmm. And also kombucha is super easy to make. Have you tried oh, to make kombucha yet? I haven't tried to make it because I, I remember seeing an article that it can be dangerous if you make it on your own. But that's probably like anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I worry about that stuff too. Like, am I doing this right? And I like taste it first. Like I always taste it before my kid, but it's actually so easy to make. I was super surprised Uh, and it doesn't take very long. So that would be kind of cool if you make kombucha already, if Mm -hmm. you just wanted to give some bottles away of that. And also I make my own wines. So I do give some of those away. And then that gets some of the bottles out of my house because I keep all my bottles Mm -hmm. because you were saying bottles are really annoying to bring in because they're dangerous and they break. And they're heavy. So the emissions on the truck to carry them to the facility and out of the facility. Yeah. Bottles are a challenge. Yeah. Can we talk about what they're used for? Yeah. Um, Sandblasting? Yeah. Sandblasting material. So for us, glass bottles, since they break so easily and because of our infrastructure, various reasons, like it's very difficult to safely process them. So they're still intact to be reused at another company. They end up getting made into sandblasting material, which is used to smooth out car parts or engines. So it's basically like blasted through a tunnel and it smooths metals, which is good. It's it's a way to recycle it, right? It's being made into something new. But I think, you know, after that's used a couple of times and it's not as granular anymore, then it ends up just probably going to landfill. I don't know that for sure. I don't think it's something that's infinitely recyclable like a glass bottle is intended to be. Mm -hmm. Can you like melt glass down and and remake it into things? Yeah and I think in in some municipalities where they have you sort the glass by color that's likely what's happening. Yeah. 
But what I recommend is, I mean, if you are in Ontario, we have the refundable glass program. I think a lot of provinces do. Do you know if any states do? Maine has a bottle bill from oh, the 70s. Good. That nice. started, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, so if you can refund, bring your glass bottles back somewhere for a refund, that's the best way to do it because yeah. that means it's likely just being cleaned and reused again or it's going straight to the source and the and the manufacturer that's going to recycle it into new bottles. So that's the recommendation. And you also get money back, which is cool. It's not always a substantial amount, but it's it's something and it's a little reward to get people to do it and that's mm-hmm. what matters. In BC, we used to just put our beer bottles out by the curb and then people would come and collect them for the money, which I thought was awesome because if they want the money and I was in the military and didn't have time, I think we mentioned this, uh, glass can be a challenge. And what I found interesting was that they found Egyptian glass that's like, I don't know, 5,000 years old. So like glass isn't going away either. It's not. And so (laughs) I think we should be more like careful with it and use it more. And so the glass that I choose to bring into my house, I keep for containers. And I, I think about the shape. Like if I'm going to buy something like a jar of olives and I'm, I'm like, okay, am I going to be able to use this jar? Yes. <laughs> and I'll not feel so bad about buying it. Yeah. That's something I do too, but I'm running into a problem where something I, I buy all the time is like pasta sauces, just because I don't have a family of eight to feed. <laughs> like I don't really find that making a big batch of pasta sauce would keep for the time that I would use it. But I'm getting to a point where I have more glass than I need. So I, I need to Me figure too. that out. Yeah. Like, or maybe gifting it away is the solution. That's what I was thinking I would do with some of my wine bottles because I feel like I have too many. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes I like to give some away. Yeah. So glass is tricky. So it's kind of a nice thing to remember, I guess, when we're when we're purchasing things. And then I thought of things that like help people get outside. Because I have Ooh. this theory that the more people get outside, the more they'll fall in love with it and the more they'll want to care for it. Yes, that's so nice. So what what would be a gift that would support that? So I was trying to learn to knit and I, I feel like I kind of suck at everything that involves art, but it's, it's not that difficult. So if you could like make a scarf or something for someone or if you can go to these farmers markets uh, or Christmas shows, like a lot of people are knitting there. So it's mm-hmm. kind of cool to buy uh, someone something like that and maybe that would help them get outside more. I used to work for the provincial parks system, kind of like state parks. You could get a pass so you could use it because there's annual passes and that would be a great gift because you could use it. Like we have one in Ontario, but you can buy, you can go to any provincial park for one price and then you can keep going in and out. So that means all your summer beach adventures are already paid for with your Christmas gift. That is awesome. That's a really really good idea. Uh, With sports equipment too, if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to buy like all three of my kids skis or whatever like what if they Mm -hmm. don't like skiing or I think for that it would be better to buy use or just to rent first like if you don't know if your kids are gonna like hockey or skiing or whatever maybe if you just could try it out without like buying all that equipment first then it might help I got my kid cross-country skis last year and like he doesn't really like it and he's like so slow that like it's not that fun really because (laughs) he doesn't like it like just nothing is really that great about us doing it so instead of getting a new set I'll probably just sell it and then maybe when he's older he'll do it right yeah I think a lot of times too people think like oh I want to try this like get this for me for Christmas because it's a time where you can ask for things that you might not necessarily need because it's a gift so that's a good idea is to maybe like get someone their first three lessons or something yeah so that they can try it out yeah Yeah. that's a good idea which reminds me of gift cards actually are gift cards recyclable 
They're too small. They would fall through yeah. the sort line. But that's what I thought. There, well, last year there was a program at our local mall that would take them back to be recycled. So they must have a different program for that. But sometimes there are ways like if you go to some retail stores you can ask if they have a gift card recycling program or cool. they might advertise it i haven't seen one lately but whenever there is one i'm just like here's the 10 or 20 gift cards that i've just been holding on to for the last year you you mentioned too that like people travel a lot oh yeah that's something i think about a lot too like I remember the other day I was telling my mom about a trip I wanted to take in the winter and she was like, don't you care about the environment? Like, don't be talking about the planet if you're going to be flying all over the place. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am a hypocrite. <laughs> but the, she calls me out, but that's that's the best, the best thing about moms <laughs> is when they tell you how it is. But it's something that I looked into and I started looking at the environmental impact of flights and it kind of made me sick to my stomach. The amount of Mm-hmm. the amount of energy it takes to fly these planes and I was looking into it a little bit too and there's something that happens because planes are higher up so the um, oxygen layer the ozone layer just being thinner so the impact is more exponential because of the expelling of the gases I do not mm-hmm. know the actual mechanics and how this actually works but it sounds pretty bad and imagine like an airplane is so heavy like imagine the fuel that it yeah. takes to get that airplane up there. Yeah. And then, like, transport it too, right? Air New Zealand just banned single-use plastics. Ooh. That's another thing about planes, like... Oh, my gosh. It just... It makes me feel sick to my stomach when I ride airplanes. Full yeah, disclosure. I, I feel sick to my stomach. Because they walk down the aisle with a tray, and they already put water in the cups, just assuming that someone will want to drink. Mm. Even... Maybe people don't want to drink. But then they see it, and they're even more encouraged to take it because it's there, and it's free. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have asked them and they will say just things. I mean, they're busy, right? Like, I don't want to bug them. Yeah. And they're, it's not their job to come up with recycling solutions. Delta says that they recycle or they're supposed to or something. And I, I've seen them once, like, with a guy holding some cans in his hand, not putting them in the garbage bag. But every other flight I've flown with them, uh, they're just throwing cans, plastic, food, everything into the bag. And you know where that's going. Oh, yeah. So I remember one time when I asked a flight attendant, they said, they actually were really kind about explaining it to me. And I just was amazed that they took the time because it's really not their job to have to explain it to someone. They could just say like, oh, yeah, it goes here or there. But they said that it depends on where they're flying into. Yeah, because some of them, yeah, so some of them will encourage it. So if you land in some airports, they'll have that process ready when you're cleaning out the plane, but others won't. And, you know, that's a part of the problem. Delta told me that they incinerate it in Toronto. And I'm like, "Mm." Mm. so like a long time ago, Paul Conant, in Canada was like, nobody can incinerate trash. It's terrible for the planet. It's a bad solution. Don't do it. And so all these incinerators that were being proposed to being built in Canada weren't. And I think that's terrible because now we have landfills, which I think are way worse, but that's just from my research. I don't know if there are incinerators in Toronto, but that's what Delta told me. So there are. Yeah. yeah. So, so maybe that's, that's where they're going. Okay. Here's my thing about incineration. I believe that the disposal of waste is like those pyramids that you see where there's better options than others. Recycling is more near the top. Reusing is one of the top most. And then landfill garbage is at the bottom. I think incineration is slightly above landfill garbage. It's better because it's not taking up that physical space and producing methane. However, there's still the gases to consider when it is being burned, which I know there is a lot of talk about, you know, these technologies that can clean it out of the air well, and filters. make it, filters, yeah. yeah, to make it, you know, not have the same issues with the emissions. However, the amount of energy it takes to create a material and to process it and to ship it. So, like, for example, if you're taking a metal can and that metal is 
from aluminum extracted from a mine up in northern Canada and then extracted from the earth and the mining, all the energy that goes into the mining, then all the energy for that raw material to be shipped down in these trucks down to southern Canada where it's processed in a smelting plant where it's melted down and then made into these big sheets where aluminum cans are then formed out of. At 900 degrees. At 900 degrees. The amount of energy that's invested into that one can does not get the proper... uh, How do I phrase this I know exactly what you're saying. To return it back into another usable can, you only need 600 degrees of heat versus a 900 degrees of heat. But no, this is why I'm saying that incineration isn't great. Yeah, you can't put those in incinerators. Well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't, but anything that you're incinerating, the amount of energy invested into the material before it goes into the incinerator, you can't get the amount of energy back so like it's point like zero one percent of the energy you'll get back like i'm not an expert on this there's probably real numbers but that's what i think about is just the amount of energy we invest into these products you don't get it back on the same quantity as when you incinerate it so yeah it's it's okay because it's not taking up the physical space but it's not a sustainable solution by any means because of all the energy we've spent on creating these products Mm -hmm. and another argument is that it encourages people to just consume more yeah, if it's just going to be burnt, sure. which was Paul Conant's argument, which I see, but it like just didn't happen. He's like, no, the argument is not to burn it. It's to consume less. And like, yeah, he's right, but that's not happening. So we still have trash to deal with while we're trying to fight for the world to consume less. Right. Yeah. And like, that's the main thing, right? It, it has to be a change of mindset. We have to stop ourselves from this instinct of consuming. For me, I've replaced all my consumption of like new clothing I've replaced it completely with shopping at thrift stores, except for things like socks, you know, and there's not everything I buy at a thrift store, but I've... Do you buy underwear at thrift stores? I don't. <laughs> I don't want to talk about my underwear on air, but I do not buy my underwear from thrift stores. I try and find like good fabrics. There's some companies that have more sustainable goals, so I look for that. And like the amount of stuff that comes into thrift stores blows my mind. Like there's mm. always new stuff at every thrift store I go to, even if I was just there last week. Fast fashion is terrible. Like if you're supporting brands that burn their stuff to keep them exclusive, that's bad. And if you're buying new cheap stuff, usually that cost is put onto the environment and people who make low wages. And so the quality might not be there, so it might not last as long. And if things are dyed bright colors, then there are like 8,000 different dyes made from the oil and gas industry right now that are just being dumped into rivers, the effluent from dyeing clothes. So the fashion industry is quite terrible and we all need clothes and we all have a closet full basically. Mm -hmm. So I mean, most of us. Uh, So it's a big deal. And that's another thing with Christmas too, is like if you can buy more sustainable clothing or thrift clothing, but it's hard because how do you give someone a gift when it's like, it doesn't have a tag on it or if it doesn't have some indication that it's new. Right. I think that's tough. I do think it's tough. And that's why I only buy gifts for people who are kind of in my closer circle and they know me by now. So I think that I hope they see it as something that I did not out of being cheap, but more out of just like this, um, there's desire. Yeah. There's, there's more meaning to it. And like, that's why I think people do like the outings as gifts and going to places and plus you can support like the arts community like by going Mm. to a show and like that's something I also care about and supporting people locally so looking for things like that is kind of the solution because then you're not you're not seen as cheap or like you're just doing a cop-out gift. 
part two of Zero Waste Christmas will be up soon. And I want to thank Podbean users, Soundaria RS and Matilde J. Larson. I'm sorry if I'm not saying that right, but I wanted to thank you so much for your Podbean patron monthly reward. It means a lot to me. And if you're interested in giving a zero waste gift this Christmas, please consider my podcast. You can go to patron.podbean.com slash zero waste countdown and pledge whatever you can. And if you want to be mentioned on the podcast as a patron, once you donate, email me with your information, laura at zero waste countdown.com. And I'll be happy to mention you in the podcast. Also, thanks to Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com for his fantastic Christmas music used in this episode. Happy holidays and thank you for listening. Together, we can make a better, healthier, and cleaner world.